that's four. <laughs> I don't even have words right now, but we do have a very special guest. <laughs> She's been cursed by podcast fairies, though. I have. So maybe I have. we all have. It maybe it's a, yeah. like it. Maybe it's some sort of flu. Podcast flu. Podcast oh, flu. there you go. Just as pegging itself takes multiple tries to get it right, <laughs> I think so too the pegging podcast. <laughs> oh. Well, there you go. I guess y'all know what we're talking about tonight. Everyone, Sierra Simone is with us today. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You know, Sarah and I are not messing around, and sometimes you just need to bring in an expert. So it's on this true. week's Faded Mates, welcome everyone. We have a very, a very special episode. It's kind of like a lifetime movie if you remember those from when you were a kid only like way more instructive because we yeah. need help and support it's it's nothing like those lifetime movies oh god no <laughs> like my sister is my mom <laughs> Okay, so wait, we should talk about... So yes, welcome everybody to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm Jen Reed's Romance. <laughs> I'm alone. <laughs> Which order are we going in? No, you, uh, it's you and then we have to introduce our guest. But I mean, right? Okay. her. Um, and then yes. uh, we are here today with Sarah Simone, who everyone remembers from our McGreeve episode. Sarah, have you only been here for one episode? No. I think it's really? just been one. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel bonkers. like I'm present. It's in more because we have yeah. to do every one several times. <laughs> yes, exactly what it is. <laughs> We've recorded with her four times, but she's going to yes. only be on twice. But you only get to hear me okay, twice. Okay. But here's the deal. So this yeah. is, well, and we also have, we have a third one. Even we have a third lined up already. We already know you're coming back. You, oh, yeah. It's like um, Saturday Night Live where people get t-shirt people get gifts when they hit milestones like maybe when you hit five we'll send you like a pink lady jacket like in green oh my god that's amazing that peg would lady. be amazing peg lady. Oh, peg lady it'll be orange instead with a little carrot that is gonna go over real great in Maynard County Kansas it really is I mean I'm the mayor of Maynard County Kansas <laughs> I don't know, but I'm the mayor of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. And um, so let's give a little background on where, how this started. We, um, so... Suzanne over at Love and Panels, who is fabulous, um, was looking around in 2019 at the world and going like, what the fuck is happening? And the <laughs> truth is that none of us could could really stop saying that. Um, and I was paralyzed. But but Suzanne um, decided that she was going to put her good work into um, mobilizing romance to into a uh, um, a auction to benefit nonprofit organizations on the southern border of the United States, working with um, displaced families, uh, children who have been uh, displaced or taken from their parents um, and other people who are really going through it down there. Um, And romance really delivered in a huge way. The auction was massive, I think bigger than Suzanne could have imagined. Oh, I think it raised like 
15 or 20 grand. It was a lot of money. Yeah, you guys did awesome. So thank you to everyone who donated uh, time, money, um, product to that. Uh, we, Jen and I, were really, really excited to be able to donate an episode of Fated Mates, by which we meant, like, you pick the topic. <laughs> we thought people would say, like, we'd like you to talk about the Bridgerton series. Could you do an episode on princesses or redheads? <laughs> and, you, you know, women joker. with really nice shoes. <laughs> You jokers, a group of you got together um, and you raised a shit ton of money. Thank you so, so much. Um, And you called yourself the Pegging Cabal. We have your names. We're going to name you at the end of this episode with pride. Um, And you uh, won the auction and you asked us to do an episode on pegging. And after sort of a couple of non-starter ideas, like what if we do a whole episode of characters named Margaret or <laughs> the pirates? Oh, that's right. I totally forgot we were going to do that. I was like, we're going to rickroll them. <laughs> <laughs> or pirate romances. <laughs> um, we decided to really get serious, get down to business, so to speak. And we called in the dirtiest person we know. Uh, the owner, <laughs> thank you, operator, thank you. and developer of the Simone Scale TM. <laughs> thank but I'm you. pretty sure, like the Simone, like pegging on the Simone Scale is like slightly to the north of Darcy. Looking at Elizabeth, yeah, Carson. I would. Say, oh God, like, it's, it's like comparable it's like to Darcy. Making a cup of tea with two tea bags—that's about how sexy <laughs> it is in your world. Meanwhile, I mean, it's like we're going to need help. <laughs> I mean, also actual tea bagging is on there, well, but like obviously, for... <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yes, like we're we're talking like real real mild stuff for pegging. So I was like, yeah, hell yes, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, what do you mean you need an expert? <laughs> What's wrong with you two? You guys, at one point, Sarah tweeted, like, I think I've done more research for this episode oh, than I ever have for, like, any of my books. I swear and I to like, God. I was like, I'm getting it together. That I'm was ready. a real good week. Like, I feel like our text thread that week was probably, like, top ten text threads of all time. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. We found that uh, playlist, the pegging music (gasps) playlist. Yes. Which we will, of course, link in show notes. And also, um, the Peaches song is, is, is going to play over the course of this episode because how could it not <laughs> but, wait is this the woman the woman on twitter who has the pegging like no. jingle you That's guys, we found person. some amazing things. <laughs> we are going to get to her. She's amazing because she's given us permission to play the whole thing. Um, yeah. But no, there's there is a Peaches song that is like, frankly, like, don't you know it's supposed to feel bad boys? Meaning pegging. <laughs> um, it also includes meatloaf. I would do anything for love. <laughs> but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. <laughs> and there is like a three-part dissertation on on the internet about Ariana Grande having like oh, that's an right. anthem to pegging. 
dangerous woman. Don't need no hold up, taking control of this kind of moment. I'm locked and loaded, completely focused. My mind is open. It is the classic That's song, right. Dangerous Woman. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite song on that playlist, though, is that eric pops in in production there's gonna be a lot of great music in this episode we'll put it all in show notes <laughs> i think also a lot of show notes are going to be like jen was unable to google that good luck <laughs> <laughs> jen does show notes at work <laughs> we we suggest the search terms xyz but i'm unable to execute that search and keep my job <laughs> thank you for your support <laughs> See, the great My phone thing. is now radioactive, but I appreciate you all. <laughs> well, the great thing about Sarah and I's job is that, like, if we didn't do this research on our computers, really, we'd be letting our job down. Exactly. So I was like, it's our solemn duty, yeah, to, to investigate every corner of pegging. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> there should be no corners in pegging. I've learned that. I've learned that. I think so. That's so rule number one. No no sharp corners. corners. (laughs) No corners. It's it's soft, real soft, round. Yes. Oh God. All right. Uh, Okay. So real serious now, Sierra. I think we'd like Sierra to maybe define pegging for us. For those of you who don't know, welcome to Faded Mates. Did we do Welcome to Fate of Mates yet on this episode? It's been a I think thousand we're do it like years. <laughs> it's fine. I think we um, mentioned it at the top. Okay, good. Welcome to Fate of Mates. If this is your first Fate of Mates episode, welcome to the deep end of the pool. <laughs> we hope you took a swimming test before. <laughs> but also, oh if you've come via Sierra Simone's newsletter, Twitter account, Facebook page, or anywhere else, welcome. <laughs> You're gonna welcome like to it here. like welcome to the kiddie pool. Like it just really depends. It's all about perspective. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> uh, all right, Sierra, tell us about what pegging is. That's your job. This is why we brought yes. you in to do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> so, um, so this is something that when we were kind of uh, formulating how we were going to talk about pegging. In the episode, you know, we did do a little bit of discussion. So sort of the traditional definition of pegging has been uh, penetrative sex, where the penetrating uh, object is actually a toy, like a strap-on, and the toy is usually worn, um, and the receptive partner is a man, and the active partner, the penetrating partner, is a woman. And that is, I would say, the majority of the pegging you come across in romance, which mm-hmm. is a woman wearing a strap on, uh, penetrating a man anally. Um, but while we were talking, I think Jen, was it you who talked to Ilya Winters a little bit? I about did. Yeah. Kind of, um, making sure that there is some inclusivity in the definition and that, you know, acknowledging that there can be some uh, biological essentialism in the way that we sort of talk about what pegging is and isn't. Um, And making sure that, you know, it's kind of for everyone. 
I just want to say like huge shout out to Elia who like was really gracious about taking our questions because we want it. I mean, obviously we're having a lot of fun with this episode, but we don't want to be offensive either. And, um, you know, it's like kind of this always this question now about gender essentialism. You know, obviously there are women who do have penises, right? If she's using her own anatomy, is it is it pegging or is it just like fucking? And really one of the things that um, Ellie and I ended up talking about was the idea that like people if 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 people kind of self-identify that the activity they're doing is pegging like then it is and it's not really uh, like our you know people get to decide how to like um as she put it like deviate from cis normativity in whatever way they want to and so although i think in the episode we're going to really kind of stick to that standard definition we do want to just sort of like throw out there that like it that's not the only way that like pegging works. It's sort of maybe a most common one at this point, but you know, we fully anticipate that like these things are going to just like everything. Um, you know, there's not like really highly defined borders around it. Like this is an activity that like all people can enjoy in whatever way they want to. How about that? Yeah. Yes. I love that. (laughs) And I think that, um, uh, I think that pegging and I hope this is the case the in romance pegging is going to start to expand as it's sort of drifted into the popular consciousness. The mm-hmm. way we see it represented in romance will start to expand and kind of um, breathe into the corners of the room. You know, I kind of think of that, like uh, what's that science law about how uh, gas will always fill the volume oh, of the container yeah. they're in. Nice. And I feel like I, ideas like this in romance and inclusivity, they do do that. Like once people start bringing uh, awareness of it into the conversation, then you do start to see these stories and narratives pop up that really um, expand and play with like, what are the limits of what this can do? And I hope that's the case for pegging. Yeah. I think this is really an interesting question because I think, um, I think that when we talk about pegging, we're talking about really flipping the script on what sex has traditionally, like is traditionally in like old school, you know, cis het romances um, where like the penetrative experience is the masculine experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 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 the idea of normalization of pegging um, and this, these kind of questions about like, how do we rewrite the script on sex so that there is more parity and experiences kind of um, more balanced across or maybe not even balanced, but it's about pleasure. It's about your own desire and your consent within a relationship. And Um, intimacy too, right? Like the idea that you're sharing something that maybe is like a stretch for you or like a reach or something you're kind of interested or curious about together. And that is also a way that people's relationships develop. And this is a gift from erotic, from erotic romance. I mean, This has, I think, part of the reason why pegging has become more a part of romance. And truthfully, when uh, we got the sort of call for this being the Fated Mates episode that uh, people wanted, we part of the reason why we felt like we needed an expert to come in and talk was because we wanted somebody who was really deeply connected to erotic romance, who writes erotic romance, who understands the mm-hmm. world of writing for erotic romance readers and who um, and like 
and somebody who is in in that world right now because it is an it's a new this is a whole new world opening up from erotic romance i think so much about that the conversation that we've had with adriana we had with adriana herrera when she was here about like romance is constantly now it feels like romance of 2019 2020 is pushing the walls down and sort of ex- again like yeah. a gas right expanding yes. into further space well and i think that that's like that's such an astute observation because it to me and i'm not nearly the romance historian that you guys are but when i um encountered a lot of sort of older pegging like i would say around like 2004 to 2007 ish um in like samhain books and alora's cave mm, books mm-hmm. um it definitely happened within a very specific bdsm sphere um mm. there was definitely like a very certain paradigm that could allow for uh, a man to be penetrated by a woman um and now i think that's completely not not the case. And one of the reasons why is that I think it's such a valuable tool or um, method to explore what power and gender mean inside of a relationship, that it actually connects to a lot of conversations that we're having in 2019 um, and, you know, in, in the last few years. And so this idea that, like, it can move out from just being purely like a symbol of, I mean, almost dominance, like femdom culture Mm -hmm. to, um, being something that even like liminally kinky people or not kinky people at all can experience. And, uh, it can be used on the page as a, as a scene, as a chessboard for navigating some other bigger, deeper theme. One of the things I think might be really interesting before we like talk about specific like examples is um, one of the things like, and I know Sarah, you and I've been like noodling this around when we like sort of tried this the first time is when people talk about erotic romance, they often talk about like how sex has to be a really integral part of the plot. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and I, and I think that's true, right? Like there, the relationship gets like sort of shown through like the sexual, the evolution of their emotional relationship is like really shown through the evolution of their sexual relationship. Right. Right. I think one of the other things that I'm, I'm really moving towards is the idea that, um, really good erotic romance though, is also about character development. Yeah. And so you get people really exploring who they are as they explore like their sexual identity whether and and that happens like with a partner or partners, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that um it's really funny because for like a long time I've kind of really struggled with that first definition of erotic romance. Like it felt right, but somehow not entirely right. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it instead as someone really saying like, I want to explore something new with you. I am learning something new f- about myself through what we're doing together. I find that to be a really like electrifying and exciting way of thinking about erotic romance. And I think it's also when I think about the best erotic romance, it's the ones that do that. And I think that that's why like pegging could then be like a really interesting um, kind of model for this because often it is like, it's not where a book starts, right? It's something that's going to happen later. And, um, and I think, so I just think that's like a really interesting way of thinking about it that 
like, I don't know, it really makes sense to me. It's like something I feel like I really enjoy. And I think maybe I'll look it up. Jennifer Porter on Twitter was maybe one of the people who first like got me thinking in this way. And I will definitely try and dig up that thread because I, I really, it was like one of those things where I read it and I was like, Ooh, that I love that idea a lot. Well, and I think that that's such an important piece of the puzzle for erotic romance. Like I, my biggest, one of my biggest frustrations with um, the way we talk about romance novels in the world is that for so long, I mean, when I started writing romance a decade ago, which feels like an eternity ago in the, like, I started writing romance before ebooks existed. Like that's, the, mm. that's kind of the frame of reference that we're talking about here. Right. So like the most erotic romance at the time that was readily available that you could go to your local library and pick up um, was someone like a Laura Lee, right, who was writing a very specific kind of, again, like cishet normative um, erotic romance um, that was not including these kind of these kind of kinks that now no longer feel as kinky. Right. But mm-hmm. so and interestingly, and her and her heroes were completely impenetrable. That's what she said. In both of these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate you. I do. <laughs> oh my God. End of episode. We won. We won. Begging. That's all we like, need. Done. <laughs> right. I'm never going to be able to call a hero impenetrable ever again on the podcast. <laughs> They all need to just understand that they're all penetrable and it's a better world that way. Um, But my point being that um, for a long time, my, when I started, there was this sort of sense that we didn't talk about the sex parts of the book. Like Mm. we as writers, as an industry kind of glossed over that. For, I think, lots of reasons, but um, certainly the one of the damage, one of the most damaging parts of that silence about the sex parts um, was that we never really nailed down a solid definition of what it means to be erotic romance. Like, yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit during the McGreeve episode where like, I, there's still a question. I still see people right now. There's the, the Rita not the Rita entry window is open, and people are like, "Well, if I had five sex scenes in my book, is that a contemporary or is that erotic?" And it's like, "Well, mm-hmm. that's not the that shouldn't that's, be the question. Right. Number is not the right. yeah number right. is not what defines it." But right? I think right. we're not. Look, romance is having a lot of very important conversations right now that need to be had. But this is one that also needs to be had in service of this part of the genre, right? Because right. Mm-hmm. we should be able to talk about what the value of the erotic romance is. And I think you're right that it is about character evolution through action in this particular yeah. way. I love that idea of evolution through action. Like, I think that's such an incredible, uh, just sort of pithy tagline for it. And I want to acknowledge that, you know, we're the sphere in which we're talking about erotic romance is largely, um, geared towards and representing allosexuals. Um, and so just with that caveat, I do think that for allosexual people, meaning people who are just, um, non-ace or, you know, naturally sexual beings, the sexual identity actually ties into some really super elemental parts of our identities that, um, I think are hard to access in other ways. So like it can be, 
profoundly uh, uh, vulnerable making. It can be profoundly therapeutic or profoundly uh, traumatizing or, you know, uh, uh, breaking you open to have um, powerful transformative sex. And so if you have an erotic romance where the it doesn't matter how many sex scenes you have necessarily, but the sex scene itself is doing work by um, using sex as a as a gateway into this identity uh, arc that the character is undergoing. I think that that is what makes a compelling uh, erotic romance. And then I think the a lot of that journey usually is coupled with sort of. Um, I was raised or just sort of the overculture uh, created these ideas about sexuality inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like some of that identity is usually kind of coming into your own and letting go of the harmful paradigms that society has given you. And I think with pegging in particular, that can have a lot to do with like, what is masculinity? Like what is the masculine role in sex? Um, and, and, I think we can acknowledge probably that there are, there's some strains of homophobia, right? Within talking about pegging and and how men might feel about it. If I could just like shout out, like literally today, Roan Parrish dropped a little um, book in main bite um, called A Good Old Fashioned Hanukkah Pegging. And it is a, um, if you've read Small Change, it's Ginger and Christopher. So these are like characters you kind of already know. But one of the things I really liked about this little, and I, I mean, it's pretty short. I read it in a couple minutes, is it starts off with Christopher um, talking to his friend because he is like, curious his friend is gay and he's curious about like ginger has like wants to try pegging christopher is like i think i want to try it but he talks to his friend first and his question is sort of like does it hurt like does it hurt to have something up your ass (laughs) and (laughs) right and the friend is kind of like jude is like blinking right and and he's like and they and he's really interesting because he's he like go it's I thought it was really great. Like he's like, I need to go to a friend first who's experienced this to like talk about like my questions and my fears. And you know, it's like really funny because like one of the things he says is like like what's the shit situation? And I was like, you know what? I think that make it I loved it. Like I felt like, oh, like that really is getting at like what I think a lot of people would have like questions about the mechanics of it. And I just thought it anyway, it's like a terrific story and it's really short. And we'll link to it in show notes. But, you know, that that whole idea of like him, you know, and and you can tell Jude, his friend is like, you know, it doesn't make you gay. And he's like, I, I I'm not trying to say that. Like, I really am. Like, is it going to hurt? Like, what do yeah. I need to prepare? How do I get ready? Right. You know, I think um, that's a really it brings up a whole separate batch of questions about romance in general and how well or not well it prepares readers for sex yeah right i mean i i think um because i think a lot about the fact like i think about anal and i think about how i had no idea like romance did not prepare me in any way to like understand how anal works right right oh yeah right so like i think (laughs) so i i think that that kind of conversation in romance is really fresh and interesting and should happen more on the page um and again it's the place where erotic romance can be doing some really interesting and I think important work. 
Um, yeah. You know, the last time we um, this is the second time we've recorded this episode because we had a little bit of a problem the first time. And um, <laughs> that day I had just been to have an X-ray and um, oh, the right. X-ray tech um, <laughs> while I was sitting there, I was not discussing this episode with the X-ray tech, surprisingly. Um, but the X-ray tech while I was there was saying, um, oh, we've had a really interesting day today because um you know your story is definitely the most boring story um and somebody else <laughs> who had come in was younger a, a young man and he had a um tube of mascara um oh, inside him oh no lost oh no lost inside him <laughs> oh, oh no oh no flared base everybody even and, i know that <laughs> i mean but here's the thing right like that's a thing where like okay, there's, this is, there's a lot going on. Like his, the x-ray text response was his mom was real pissed. <laughs> and I mean, like, <laughs> I can't imagine, like, I was like, well, it's probably worse for him. Truthfully, like this entire experience is going to be a terrible experience between him and his mom if they can't figure out a way to talk about it. But the reality is like, who's having, how are we having these conversations? Like, is it romance's job to teach us? Like, there's some yeah. interesting questions here, right? Like, right. I, I right. Don't, you know, it is not romance's job to teach us, but like, we don't want porn teaching us. So where do we learn? So I guess yeah. like in this, I mean, this is sort of a much bigger kind of academic and like parenting and, you know, educational sure. question. But um, these, well, I'm really happy to hear about that conversation in Roan's book because. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I do think it's tricky. Like, I agree with you that this is not. Yeah, exactly. It's not romance's job to teach. But at the same time, I think it probably behooves at least most writers to know that many people are learning about sex through romance. Yeah. And like, that's like a real tricky thing. I will say I will put um, a link in show notes to uh, a website that I just think is actually terrific for teaching about sex. It's called Scarletine and it is literally called like sex ed for the real world. And it's really aimed at teenagers and like emerging adults, right? Like young people. But I, um, I, I, I think anybody would benefit. Like everything's really straightforward. It's pretty non-judgmental. I think it does a pretty good job about addressing like gender identity. It's not like gender essential. Um, you know what I mean? It's not just like this is what women are. Um, and I, I, so I do think that like, but I tell a lot of people about Scarletine and they're like, I've never heard of that before. And I don't know if I'm just lucky because I work in a school and I know the folks who teach sex ed, but um, there are resources out there that I think um, you know, if you're too embarrassed to talk to your kids about sex, like I, I will say, I know that it's like really hard, but I do think it's like a really important part of our job as parents, right? Because, um, otherwise you're in the ER. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you right? lost your $13 tube of mascara. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're 13, I mean, who knows how much the bill is for that visit. <laughs> oh God. Poor oh people. God. Poor baby. But also Poor like baby. that's not in, you know, I'm, I, I'm thrilled that there are resources like this, but like also just PSA moms and dads out there listening, like, you know, talk to your kids about all kinds of sex, all kinds oh, yeah. of things that they might be getting into. It's going to be horrifying, but enjoy embarrassing them. <laughs> I, 
I think there is uh there is a corner of fiction that does sometimes get a little bit more into these things and that's fan fiction. Um, mm-hmm. because I know I have read fan fiction that is a little bit more, um, detail oriented. Cause it's, you know, maybe it's written by a young person who like actually Googled <laughs> yeah, right. how, how to pig. Um, but I know I've read some fan fiction that, um, was really illuminating and taught me some things. Um, and I think, I actually think in 2019, there's actually a lot of permeability between fan fiction and romance right now. Um, Sure. I think, I think a lot of fan fiction readers have grown up to be romance readers because they've been trained by slash fic, by, you know, reading these alternate universes with their favorite characters falling in love. And so they just sort of naturally graduated into romance, but they expect the same diversity and the same uh, sex positivity that they found in fan fiction, which is really like, it's a breath of fresh air, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. I guess I would just like one more thing I would like return to in terms of like, cause I guess my, my, of the three of us, my child is the oldest. So I've actually done some of this work. Um, (laughs) Like, I mean, we all, you should all, you know, you be talking to your younger kids about all sorts of things about their rights to their own body and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, and I can put up like lots of like links and show notes about like how to talk to your kids about sex. And, but like one of the things to uh, like for me, that's really worked. And I, I tell people this is, um, that I like very much like when I sit my son down and we're like talking about this stuff, like just am like, I say to him, I'm like, I get that you're embarrassed and you don't have to say anything. Just like, listen to me. And that I like really make it clear. Like, I, I feel like this is part of my job as your parent. Like I'm just doing my job right now. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to like horrify you. I, but this is stuff that's like really important to me mm-hmm. that you are, that you know about consent, um, that you are being careful, that you are like watching out for your friends, that you know, these like warning signs of like when someone might be in a dangerous situation. Right. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's something that I think of as like a real responsibility. Like you're not going to send your kid off to college without them knowing how to like do their own laundry. So make sure they know how to like buy condoms and, you know, like talk about sex. And the thing that I have told my son is, um, over and over again is like, if you can't talk to your partner or like about what you want to do, if you can't say like, this is what I want to try, this is what I want to do, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Right. Like that, that to me is like, just like the baseline, like you have to be able to talk to your partner. It's something you're doing together. Mm-hmm. And that to me, I think feels like you don't have to really get too into the weeds about what that is, but it's like, if you can't even talk about what you want to do, then maybe you're not ready to actually try doing it. You know, I think that that actually ties really well into pegging. Cause I think pegging is one of the acts that requires a huge mm. amount of communication. Um, because if you are penetrating someone with a toy, like you yourself are not having a whole lot of like biofeedback into right. what is happening inside their body. Um, and so there's just, there's no way to do it without actively communicating as you go along. Like you communicate before, yeah. um, like, you know, just basic things like what's the butt weather today? Like, is it good mm-hmm. butt weather? Is it bad butt weather? <laughs> like <laughs> if, if, if it's like a butt tornado warning, then like, we're not going in, but then, but then it's like a constant process of communicating 
throughout and then after as well to say like, how did that feel? Was that okay? Um, and there's just, I mean, I don't think I've ever read a pegging scene where there hasn't been some degree of communication, because I think that if you wrote something like that, it would actually be, uh, really uncomfortable, like emotionally to read because it's such a, uh, it's, it just requires that it necessitates it. So do we want to talk about some actual books? Well, actually, I want to talk about my book, if if I can go first. Um, so I was thinking, I'm I'm just really I'm really drawn to what you both are saying about um, you know one being mature enough to be able to ask for what you want um, and with you know with purpose um, and with an understanding of your own your own ability to want and and behave in a certain way, but also um, in this sort of sense that like trust the I'm really interested in the trust that is implicit in asking for in broaching the topic with your partner. Yeah. Um, because it feels like once you're actually like in the sheets, <laughs> like it's <laughs> you've you've come over the <laughs> most impressive hurdle, which is like asking for it. Right. Which is hard. Um, right. All right. of this feels dirty, by the way. Like, I feel like every word coming out of my mouth is <laughs> double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna give we're giving the people what they want sarah it's I fine i know <laughs> so um anyway um i so anyway my my point is that i think this this issue of trust in conversation with your partner the ability to say i want this thing. I want this thing that's kinky mm -hmm. or not kinky or whatever in our relationship. And frankly, I mean, sexual or otherwise is a massive hurdle for a, a relationship, especially at mm -hmm. the beginning. And I mean, especially when it comes to sex, like, which is awkward and weird and funny and stupid and all those things all in right. one. Right. It's never as perfect as it's certainly not at the beginning ever as perfect as it, it is depicted <laughs> on the page. Um, and so my pick for this is Elia Winters. Um, I mean, it feels like she keeps coming back, but um, Elia Winters' Winters's Tide Score, which is the second book in her Slices of Pie series, which follows, um, it's basically an erotic series focused and centered around a gaming company. Um, but in this particular, you don't have to care about gaming, really. This, <laughs> the heroine of this book is... Um, the HR person at this gaming company and the hero is a baker and we all know how I love a baker. Um, and basically like she goes in to the bakery every morning. I, I really love the way this flips the script. There are a lot, of, there are a lot of romances where like the businessman hero gets his coffee every day from right. Like everything about this book kind of turns these like classic tropes on their head. Um, but he goes into, she goes into his bakery every day and she buys coffee every day and they sort of make eyes at each other and they're kind of into each other. And then like suddenly they're, you know, they're into each other. And, um, and she, it is, uh, it's a little BDSM. She is in the in. She likes scenes. She likes to be a dom, um, and and he has a submissive streak that he knows he has, but hasn't like thoroughly explored. Um, and I really like, as you all know, like I really like this um, dynamic with the with 
the heroine mm-hmm. as Dom. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I knew going in, like I picked up this book because I knew going in this was going to scratch an itch for me um, that you don't see very much. But in this particular case, um, she's also like, she knows she's, there's nothing about this that feels prescribed in the way that erotic romance can often produce a dom Mm. and a submissive Mm -hmm. where it's like everyone knows their own rules everyone knows like exactly how everything goes doms know everything (laughs) everything is perfect in every way um that's just not how this goes and it's lovely and there's this moment about halfway through the book and i think about the fact um i think it was you jen who said like pegging doesn't happen on page one like it yeah it's an Mm -hmm. act that comes later um Meanwhile, I said that, and I'm going to lie when I talk about mine, but it's going to be okay. It's the exception <laughs> that proves the rule. Exactly. <laughs> so there's um, they go into the two of them together go into a sex uh, like a sex shop, and um, the woman behind the counter is like very friendly, and she's like welcome, and um, he turns to Owen, the hero, turns to the heroine and says, um, "What did you have in mind?" And I sort of. It feels it all feels very light. There's this new sex shop in our neighborhood that like where there's nothing like the windows are all like open to the street. And like it feels like a a revelation to go in there. It doesn't feel Mm. secret or sordid in any way. And I like that about this representation on the in the book. That's sort of an aside. Um, And she says the heroine says, I thought, um, maybe a harness <laughs> there are these like ellipses in the sentence. Like it's clear that she feels we're in his POV, right? So we can't see we're we can't see what she's thinking. But like it's so clear that she's like, I know what I want, but I feel weird saying it to you. Like I don't I'm not sure how this is gonna go. I'm not sure that you'll have me after this. Like I'm not sure we'll be in the same place anymore. I could be fucking up. Um, Mm. And then he says, uh, that sounds fun. Is it something you'd like to try? And then he touches her, but just like with one finger, like he just like runs a finger down her spine. And she says, yeah, I think so. If you're game. And he says, and then he bends down is like super sexy and is like, you want to peg me, Miss Parker? And like, it's this delicious (laughs) moment where you're like, they're having this like hot consensual moment and it's filled with like her and it begins with her uncertainty with like yeah her not being like the perfect dom and not being able to real like and being in a place that's very authentic and real it felt like to me yeah that's awesome anyway the rest of the i mean yeah. the pegging scene is great all of this is to say like the rest of the book is fabulous the pegging scene is great it's super hot elia's really incredibly skilled at this um and you know, you've heard us talk about Ilya on the podcast before, so I don't have to oversell. Sure. But I wanted yeah. to really you all said that in it. I just I found that moment so real. Yeah, and that's so great. Great. Yeah. So. Just a quick shout out. Her latest book, Three for All, also has a pegging scene. Ooh. Um, I also think this <laughs> I'm not going to a good time to bring up our uh, person on Twitter. <laughs> We discovered <laughs> thanks to Adriana Herrera, who um oh, comes at asking to peg someone in a different way through song. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, I feel like the most brilliant it's, thing I've ever heard in my life. I've so. watched it at least 80 times. 
Well, and you were the one who like reached out I to did. her and were like, hello. I was so <laughs> fucking delighted by it. Her name is Aida. And she uh, is awesome. She's hilariously funny. Her uh, Twitter handle is Shut Up Aida. And actually, just recently, she announced that she has a new job. She's joined the writers' room at Big Mouth, the um, the the animated show on Netflix that is about teenagers going through puberty, which I think is like the most. I've, I'm wild about this show. It's awkward and weird, and it's exactly the right representation of what puberty feels like. Um, so, congratulations <laughs> to Aida for this. But more importantly, she is the creator of, and we will post this tweet and we will put the music in right now. Yo, bitch, that nigga kind of thick. I think he got a booty. Do he handle that shit? Would he be mad if I smacked him or this? And I made him clap it back real quick. No, it's not gay, bro. I'm just having fun, bro. I just want to stick a little pinky in your butt, bro. If I'm being truthful, make yourself useful. And let me just smash from the back. I got a strap. I got a fresh peg for your ass. Hey, I've got a question to ask. Sir, do you eat cookie with your booty in the air? Maybe after sex, we could do each other's hair. Stop being homophobic and bend your ass over. It's not like your homies are here. And to be clear, I know you would love it. Not like my strap going with buns in your oven. Man, you got a the tweet reads normalize pegging at all costs <laughs> and it's a fucking fabulous rap um that she ha- that she wrote in like a heartbeat um and my favorite line of it is uh I got a strap. I got a fresh peg for your ass. I got a question to ask. Do you eat pussy with your booty in the air? Maybe when we're finished, we can do each other's hair. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Anyway, I just feel blessed, everybody. It's great. You guys, it's my favorite song. It's my favorite song. It's amazing. It really is. You know what? What's important here is that we all get to the point where we've asked. And that's right. We've received yeah. enthusiastic verbal vocal consent. There you go. There um, you go. why don't you go next, Sierra? Yes. Okay. I um, my book this time is "Learn My Lesson" by Katie Roberts. Oh, and this is part of her Wicked Villains series. Um, which, if you're not on Instagram obsessively following her, staging her sex scenes with Barbie dolls, <laughs> then you Amazing. should be. Um, <laughs> um, but this uh, series follows different Disney villains. Um. And sort of kind of alternate universe, they're all in the same city, uh, kind of squaring off against each other. And Learn My Lesson is about Hades, Hercules, and Meg. And um, it kind of starts out with, um, so Hades owns a a kink club. And in, in owning this kink club, he's kind of got control over the entire city. His kink club is the only neutral ground in this city. And he has information on everyone. And Meg is really his his right-hand uh, person. Like, she's his submissive, but she's also a switch in the club. And she manages the day-to-day running of the club. Like, she is as much the mistress of it as he is the master. But at the beginning of the book, they kind of start out in this uh, sort of marriage and trouble place. So they've been together 
for, you know, a long time, like 10 years and something shifted in Hades. Right. And like Meg is mm-hmm. really feeling like something's changed, uh, between them. And so the book opens, they're at a restaurant and it's supposed to be kind of like a nice dinner date, but it's not going that well. And then uh, this waiter walks in and he's just like six foot five of like golden, puppy muscle boy. (laughs) And (laughs) Hades is like, I want you to seduce him. And you find out later that like Hades has sort of like revenge reasons for wanting this thing to happen. Um, but what happens between Meg and Hercules ends up being super genuine. And then Hades and Hercules end up having this really genuine connection. And Hades is definitely like the Slytherin, hero who's anti-hero who's kind of bent on revenge who's like i love zero things and then by the end of the book he's like damn it i love two things i was supposed to love zero things and now i love two Uh, i love that Um, perfect (laughs) so great there's a really beautiful pegging scene um, where Meg pegs Hercules while he um, is uh, is giving oral sex to Hades And what I love about it is it's everything that I want out of a pegging scene, right? Like there's sort of this flip of gender and who's the passive partner and all this stuff. Um, But I also really love, I don't want to say how casual it is, like, because there is consent involved and there is like planning and emotional preparation, but it's just a given that Hercules would be open to this kind of thing. Um, And so it really it almost makes the default as it should be, which is that there's no stigma attached, you know, in this world that Katie's created, there is no stigma to what we want and what we need to do for ourselves in bed. Um, and so it happens and it's this really like coalescing scene between the three of them. Like it's really the scene where you begin to see like what they could be as a threesome and not just as uh, an anti-hero, a puppet and his, you know, like <laughs> jaded <Yeah>. submissive. <laughs> um, and I, I love the whole book and I love uh, all the books in the series. And she has more books in the series coming out. I think the next one is going to be Hook and Tinkerbell. <laughs> so if you're into that kind of thing, I think that's coming <laughs> in late, like late winter, like early 2020. <laughs> there you go. Keeping everybody warm. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Cause I think that, um, it sounds like we have all found like really different, like pegging examples. Um, I am going to talk about, and I'm going to preface this by saying it was written right after the election in 2016. And it has a plot that I think like the most ridiculous part of the plot, the hardest thing to believe is not the pegging on the first date. That is easy to believe. <laughs> it's that this is a love story between a Democrat and a Republican. Mm, so, Jennifer. Which I know, and I hate myself for recommending it, but I feel like I, I love it so much, but I feel Damn like it. four years ago, even, it kind of felt like this was a plot that could happen. He really, he, at the end, the Republican completely gives it up. He, like, he, 
he he quits the party. He understands he's wrong, but I'm still like I don't even know. She legit pegs the patriarchy, is what you're saying, oh, right God, out of him. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's called Life, Liberty, and Worship by Tamsin Parker, oh, Tamsin. and it was in the first Rogue anthology. So it's called Rogue Desire, and I'm gonna guess that if Tamsin was writing this right now, she would write it about like a Democrat and then like a. I thought about voting for Bernie for five minutes, Democrat, but didn't actually do it. Like, right? Anyway. So when I was 18, I voted for George Bush. Like, in my local... Yeah, no. Like, when I was 18, in my local school board election, there was only one Republican running, and so I had no other choice. Even in these three or four years, like a lot has changed is what I'm trying to tell you. Anyway, so here's it's a great it's a great book if we can just like retcon away that one part of it. So Paige, Paige is um, goes every like, you know, however often to like a spinning class and the guy in front of her. She, like, thinks he's really cute, but she notices that he wears these sort of, like, political T-shirts, and she just—and then he, like, gets all sweaty and takes them off, and she's like, oh, I hate this guy. (laughs) And—but he, of course, it turns out, is just, like, one of those, like, sad boys who doesn't know how to talk to anybody. And so he finally, like, sort of, you know, gets up the gumption to, like, ask her out. But unfortunately for him, he does it after she sort of overhears— like another guy like being real broy and saying something stupid and and she is just like fine I'll go out with you like come to my come to this like this address at 10 o'clock and in the meantime she actually has sort of figured out that he writes policy papers for you know like some sort of competing whatever wonky thing and um she like does respect the way he thinks like even though she doesn't quite agree with his politics because that one time in the school board election he voted republican um (laughs) she she like so he like shows up and she's basically like he's like what's your name and she's like you can find out after i have my way with you and basically like brandishes this harness i mean she's like (laughs) and he it's really amazing she basically thinks she's gonna like scare him away and it's like the greatest line in this book is he's like i've never done this before this is your big And, you know, she's, she, you know, she's like, and she's like, what, fucked a Democrat? <laughs> but the thing is, is that she is, she takes the responsibility of, like, penetrating him, like, of, of pegging him really seriously, right? So even though she's, like, furious at him and really does almost view this as, like, an act of revenge in some ways for what she thinks he stands for, she is still so careful with him and she is um and he and she's really surprised that he goes for it she's like wait i thought you'd essentially like run you know run away and they um she like fucks him and basically kicks him out the door (laughs) and you know it ends up being like a really uh like for a short you know sometimes i'm just really amazed at what a great author can do with a short amount of time, right? And so in this case, one of the things I think we really get is 
Um, you know, we talked about like trust a lot, right? So far in like the other books that you guys have talked about, but pegging is also about power. And I think that's something that Paige really knows, but it's not a power that she takes lightly and she doesn't like cross her like emotional feelings of anger or disappointment with him and his kind of what she thinks he stands for with like the the very careful like power kind of and responsibility she she has with him in the bedroom. So I think it's like a really interesting one because because there isn't that emotional or like trust there. It really is like sort of more of a, a of an act where she's like, I this is what I want to do. And he's like, yeah, I, I kind of want you to do it, too. Um, but I think it's really hot. I think it's real sexy. And I think um, it's ultimately she is able after the physical act of pegging him to sort of emotionally when they sort of eventually do kind of come clean, like really say to him, like, I could never be with someone who believes the things that you believe. And he really has to face like, okay, the, the Republican party I grew up in when I voted in the school board election. No, like, right. (laughs) Is not, is not, (laughs) like what I stand for either. Right. I mean, he's pro-choice and he, and he really has to sort of face like, Oh, I, this, this has changed and, and you're right. And so he, um, basically agrees to do the right thing and come over to the, the side of rightness and goodness and pegging. (laughs) Nice. We have pegging. Nice. You know, I really love that. That's, I really love that this is your choice because I feel like it more, maybe more than Sarah and I's picks represents like where pegging can go in romance, like outside of like latex and safe words and, you know, like really intentional power structures that are built ahead of time. Like I think that it can represent like that pegging can end up being kind of like how anal play is now where it used to be really restricted where you would find anything about the butt. And now, I mean, I sometimes am even kind of surprised when it doesn't come up in some contemporary romances as at least like a thing that someone's thinking about. Right. Um, And so I hope that, I mean, I really hope that like, this is kind of a good bellwether of like where we can go with it. We can use it as a metaphor, as shorthand, but we can also use it as like spontaneous you know, first date sex. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. It'd be a hell of a first date. I mean, very memorable. (laughs) Yes. Uh, that would be a fun thing to try on Tinder. Like just, we like, only swipe right. If I will, if I can peg you on the first date. Yeah, I mean, it, it would self-select out a lot, balloon, man. You would lose a lot of yeah stinkers, a lot oh. of stinkers. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I can't believe you said stinkers. <laughs> Fine. We need to do. You know how we did like the lost limb count for IAD? Yeah. It's like we need to have the unintentional pun count yes. for Sarah on this right. episode. <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't even put it together that that was. A- <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, Sarah. Yeah, don't don't make us say it. <laughs> um, as we like wrap up, I would like to tell you one of the greatest Twitter accounts ever to be created is at Is There Pegging. 
And if a book has pegging in it, they will retweet it and tell you about it. So girls, yeah, I I don't know, but based on the followers, I know it seems highly likely that someone we know is up to no good. Um, I guys (laughs) doing the Lord's work out here. That's right. Now, I have got to say, it was my job to, like, list the names of the Peg yes. and Cowell, and I forgot to get it. You know, it's like notes I had when we first recorded a month ago. Okay. So I think we'll have to put it in show notes, but I do know that, um, like, the person I communicated with is E is reading, and she is famous, actually, in the past month for um, freaking out everyone on the fucking internet by getting <laughs> Colin Firth trending. Remember that? <laughs> she posted, uh, like, like you know, which what's your age and which, which Darcy do you like? And all of a sudden, like, 50,000 people or something answered her tweet, and everybody else was like, why is Colin Firth trending? Because they thought he was dead. And I was like, <laughs> um, you need to, like, Use your powers for good and not evil. So, so here we are. <laughs> and here, so and, here we and are. Then, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Any last thoughts on pegging before we wrap up this very special episode of Faded um, Mates? You know what? Uh, I'm just going to say that I, I, I'm always so fucking delighted when Sierra joins us, even though it feels, it feels, oh, yeah. even though it's only been once before, um, it feels like it's been a lot, but it's just been once before. Um, so if you have not, if you skip the first season or you skip reading IAD, I highly, highly recommend you listening to the McGreeve episode of this podcast. Um, it yeah. is not just, I mean, you'll learn the plot of McGreeve, which is bananas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But also there's a lot of really thoughtful conversation about erotic romance in there where Sierra blew, I think, both of our minds a little bit. Oh, my God. Yes. Well, and before Sierra goes. So wait, I know I'm not sure if you're going to say this, but I'm pretty sure that she has written a book with pegging. And I was hoping <gasps> oh, yes. that we would end up by yeah. at least like talking about your book or giving you a chance to talk <laughs> about your book, too. I mean, hello. I'm, I'm just such a, I'm like such a retiring, like shrinking violet. That's I'm why like, I'm no. helping you. I was like, wait, <laughs> we brought you. on a special guest who has written about this in her books and somehow she is not doing the right thing by telling us about it. So that's where we're going to like make sure we go before <laughs> well, we wrap up. Well, I didn't want to horn in. Or maybe I do. Maybe horning in <laughs> is what that this is all about. That counts as one but... horning in. Uh-huh. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, it does. Bam. <laughs> she did it too. <laughs> we I did it too. Um, yes. So if you are interested in reading any of my books um, uh, or reading about pegging or reading a pegging scene, I have a novella called The Moon. And it is um, a very kind of broody, sexy, contemporary telling of Merlin and Nimue. And I know Jen is probably making a face right now. <laughs> so I love even you. I promise, even if Merlin, <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> um, even if Merlin's not your thing, that's totally okay. Um, but it is, uh, it's a really sort of, um, I really kind of wanted to explore sort of like what, uh, 
spiritual kind of, uh, feeling that pegging could generate. So I use the, the pegging scene between the two of them as sort of this final act of like complete, uh, elemental joining, I guess, between them. Mm. Um, and I think that it's a lot of fun, but if like, you know, magic and pegging aren't your thing, I totally understand, (laughs) (laughs) but yes, that is called the moon. And it's in the world of the new Camelot series. Yeah. So, um, I wrote a series called new Camelot. Um, it's a trilogy and it is a contemporary retelling of Arthur Guinevere and Lancelot, but everyone's in love with each other and they all have lots of like very angsty sex. It's uh, amazing. (laughs) And the moon takes place after the trilogy, but you don't need to read the trilogy to understand what happens in the moon. It can, it can stand on its own. Got it. And then I just want to say, and you know, you can plug your ears if you want, Sierra, but um, if you are new to the podcast this week um, and you are a Sierra fan, we did a, a deep dive read of Priest. We will link to that in show notes as well. Don't miss it. We love it. It is one of the transformational texts of the genre. Uh, according to me. Oh, stop. Stop it. <laughs> and I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm, so I'm plugging my ears now. Experts. I'm plugging. I'm plugging. There, I there's get another it. one. Um, I get it. I, I got it. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> we got we to gotta squeeze them all in before we the gotta, episode oh, ends. <laughs> I just want to embarrass you as much as possible. Um, so um, there it is. All right. Yeah. Um, Pegging. That was great. That's what she said. Where can people find you online after they've decided they love you? And they want to read everything you've ever written. Yes. Um, You can find me on Instagram as the Sierra Simone or uh, on Facebook as at facebook.com slash the Sierra Simone. And then also I have a Facebook group. Um, which is pretty awesome. And there's a lot of people who like um, kind of the dirty books in there. So if that describes you, then that might be a group of people that you would like to talk about dirty books with. Um, and I have a Twitter, but I don't go on to twitter.com. So don't tweet me because I'll never see it. Because <laughs> it's just good sense. Um, yeah, it's just good sense. Thank you. As always, we are already, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we already have a plan for Sierra's third. Oh, yeah. Um, third, third time's time the charm. With us. Um, oh, so God. stay tuned for more of that. <laughs> um, Jen, what else do we have to say? Uh, please remember to like and subscribe if you're new to the podcast and you really enjoyed this. This is what it's like every week. Um, I mean, not always with Sierra, but with, with us. <laughs> um, and so you can subscribe and like and leave a review if you feel so inclined. Um, we, you can get buttons, uh, and other fun things. And there is a pegging the patriarchy button actually. And it comes, it's like round. And then there's like a little like side button. that's just a carrot. Yes. Yes. There's like a little tiny button that goes with it. That's a little carrot. It's sort of like the, like the secret, like the secret signal with the bat signal. Yeah. We could all wear it at like kiss cons and RWAs and really show, we would know Mm -hmm. our secret people. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, so you can do that through Jen's website. Links and show notes. You can buy um, some gear, romance gear, t-shirts, 
and other things from my partnership with Jordan Denae. Links and show notes. More to come in the new year in February. So coming soon, a much bigger collection. Um, our producer is Eric Mortensen. Don't forget to vote the right way in all of your upcoming elections, whether they be for the local school board or for, you know, the future of American democracy. <laughs> sure, that's you. <laughs> I'm just, it's 2020. All we got to do is vote, everybody. It's election year, guys. We're in. Oh, my God. This, this year is going to be 40,000 years long. Okay. It's true. It's true. All right, everybody. Have a good Thank one. Thank you all so much. Bye. Oh, that nigga kind of thick. I think he got a booty. He can't know that shit. What he even had if I smacked that know that shit? I'm in him coming back real quick. No, it's not gay, bro. I'm just having fun, bro. I just want to stick around and give me a butt, bro. If I'm being truthful, make yourself useful. And let me just snatch from the back. I got a strap. I got a fresh peg for your ass. Hey, I've got a crush in the ass, sir. Do you eat pussy with your booty in the air? Maybe after sex, we could do each other's hair. Stop being homophobic and bend your ass over. It's not like your homies out here. And to be clear, I know you would love it. Not like my strap going with buns in your oven. Man, you got a pussy all up in your booty. Come on, just let me shove it. You got a pussy all up in your booty. Up in your booty. Your booty, booty. You got a pussy all up in your booty. Up in your booty. Hi, this is Elizabeth, a.k.a. E is Reading, and I'm a member of the Pegging Crew. I wish I was sure which one was my first romance. Uh, it was so long ago. I think it was either Sea Jewel by Penelope Neri, Dark of the Moon by Karen Robards, or Beloved Rogue by Penelope Williamson. What I am sure of is that it was hella problematic and would not hold up now. Um, so, but more as to why we asked for this to be, uh, this episode to be about pegging, I've talked a lot with the members of the pegging crew about why we're so interested in seeing this in romance. And I think if one of the goals of writing or and or reading romance is to dismantle the patriarchy, there is no clearer metaphor for that than pegging, as per the button, pegging the patriarchy. And this is sort of a way of undoing all that problematic text that we read when we were younger, especially those of us who came to romance in the 80s and 90s. Um, like Alana in Broad City says, things have been terrible for women up to and including today. And 2019 has definitely been, for me, the year of misogyny fatigue, along with a lot of other fatigues. Um, and romance provides a safe safe space for fantasy and wish fulfillment, and I think that pegging is something that a lot of women can relate to right now in 
not in a revenge sense, but in a way of taking back power. Um, I hope that makes sense. Edit at will. And thank you for recording this episode for us. I love you guys for doing this. Thank you.